Hey there everybody, it's Rob. Just wanted to let you know, unfortunately the audio is not great in this one. I did not have my microphone recording during the interview, so I had to pull it from TikTok, so the audio might be a little bit messed up, but hey, appreciate you listening. Welcome in everybody to the Please Stay Inside podcast. This is episode number six. My name is Rob. Today we are with our wonderful guest, the T-Virus System. They are a dissociative identity disorder system, a mother of six biological children, and you can find them over on TikTok at the underscore T underscore virus underscore system. The virus system, welcome on in. Hi. <laughs> it is very, very wonderful to have you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, about your TikTok page. You know, what is it that, that brought you over to TikTok? Um, well, I started TikTok um, <laughs> before I even knew that I was a system. Um, and um, it was just a way to, you know, kind of let loose even, you know, I kind of had that stigma for a little while of, you know, I'm too old for something like yes. TikTok. <laughs> and then yes. one day I was like, I don't care anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I got it. And um, uh, it's actually uh, the Gianu system. Uh, her dissociative um, experience cards are what led me to start believing that I had dissociative experiences. And then from there with mm-hmm. a therapist, um, we ended up being diagnosed with DID. So TikTok mm-hmm. helped me <laughs> become diagnosed actually. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, one, of, one of the things that I do really find as being one of like the bright spots of TikTok is that it does just do such a wonderful job of like connecting us to our communities through like these experiences. Like I've had so many times where I hear somebody talk about something and it's like, it's so specific and I'm like, I do that exact thing. And it, it, yeah, it helps out a lot to, to be able to broaden that. Um, it's honestly really crazy to me how mm-hmm. accurate the algorithm is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's very, very shocking sometimes. Um, yeah. Which is, is one of my personal favorite things to be able to see um, in like comment sections, like on videos, I'll have somebody come in and they're just like, the FYP is really <laughs> coming for me today. Yeah. Um, I always love that. So with your, let, let's, I guess, first, first start with just how do you, how do you describe dissociative identity disorder? Like in your own personal experience, what, I guess, how, how would you best describe it? Um, well, I like to describe it. It is definitely a dissociative disorder, um, mm-hmm. but I like to um, use the term trauma disorder because I think a lot of times um, we are further victimized um, by this idea that we're scary. And so by mm-hmm. being like, look, this is actually from trauma that we have experienced and um, by continuing that like idea that stigma it it just further hurts us you know Mm. um but like when it comes to like my own experiences um well for a longest time I really just thought that I had really bad mom brain really Mm. bad mom brain (laughs) I became a mom at uh, 17. So, um, yeah, it, ever since I can remember, I've had really bad memory and, you know, mm-hmm. just unable to remember what we did earlier that day or, you know. 
just all the yeah. things. <laughs> I, I hear you. But were you experiencing that prior to being 17 or I guess like um, when did you? Well, prior to 17, I actually, um, I was kicked out of my home at 14. And mm -hmm. then from there, um, I was uh, trafficked until 17. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was on drugs pretty heavily. And due to that, I don't have very good memory of from 14 mm -hmm. and on. And from 14 and younger is when my trauma was really, really happening pretty badly. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I don't have a lot of memories. Actually, a lot of those memories are starting to come back with therapy and it's been mm -hmm. a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. As, I mean, as trauma therapy so often can be, mm -hmm. um, you know, and like you said, with DID, it is a, a trauma disorder, um, which I think is such a good way of, of framing it, um, you know, and, and so it can be, you know, yeah, definitely in, in that realm. Um, so how, I guess, did you begin to begin to put some pieces together that perhaps this wasn't just mom brain, you know, as you put it, but this was maybe something more like DID or were there other things that you thought it might be? Yeah, well, I actually got to a point um, where I started to worry that I might have humor <laughs> um, because things were just getting pretty crazy sometimes, the things that I would, like, just forget. Or um, I think the most scary times um, that I now know um, as co-fronting, hmm. um, that is a pretty confusing time because like the best way that I like to uh, explain it is like if you are playing a video game and it's just like a regular you know you know regular game and then someone else also takes a controller and they are controlling half of your character while you're controlling the other half of the mm -hmm. character it doesn't really sync up so well and mm. you can still, like, probably get through the game, um, sure. especially when you start to learn how to really work together. But it's difficult. And so there were times, there's this one specific time that I remember where I started to really get worried, um, where I said, um, I was talking to my sister, and I said something. Uh, I can't remember what I said exactly, but the last word I said I said blue instead of what I was trying to say. It had nothing to do with what I was saying, but I said the word mm -hmm. blue. And then, you know, it happens all the time. I say the wrong thing. So I sure. went to correct myself. I said the sentence again, and the last word was blue again. And that happened three mm -hmm. times <laughs> before mm -hmm. I finally said the right word. And that's when I went to my husband, and I was like, something's really wrong with me because, mm -hmm. like, that's not normal. I knew what I was trying to say, but I couldn't say it no matter how hard I tried. And uh, now I recognize those days as co-fronting. And um, I don't, I think co-fronting doesn't happen like as often as, um, yeah, it doesn't happen as often. I don't know about other systems, but for us, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen as often. So it, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's not. No, I hear you. Yeah. 
those times are like the most confusing and worrisome and mm. Mm. and so within that moment or i guess when these things do happen out of curiosity does it feel more like conflicting interests does it just feel like two people are trying to control the same thing how does it in those moments i feel so much more confused um mm. because it does feel more like there's like literally just yeah like two people um but the uh co-conscious is more like if you're playing that video game and you have someone sitting right next to you telling you what to do adding in little details you know mm. whatever but they can't actually control the situation oh. um that is what i experience way more often um mm. and that feels more like conflicting feelings ideas um I was never, I finally feel like I'm a person <laughs> for the first time oh, in my cool. life because I, I've had so many conflicting thoughts and ideas that I've never mm -hmm. been political. I've never been like, you know, set on a favorite color or a favorite, you know, anything because mm -hmm. it always would change. Or sometimes mm -hmm. I'd be like, this is it. But then at the same time, my brain's like, no, what about this? Mm -hmm. You know? And I thought that was also me. And it's really, that's just other people are also pitching in. It's like if someone asked, what's your favorite color? And I'm sitting here talking to you, but I have two other people sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, but my favorite color is this, and my favorite color is this, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> right, right, that there's so much competition for like, actually, this is our favorite. Right. Uh, I, I hear you, I hear you. How does the how does the communication look right now But between between parts? Uh, what, what, what term do you prefer, parts, alters? Um, either. I okay. most of the time say alters, but I do say parts sometimes. Um, and right now it's, um, we don't have like the best communication. We're still trying to become, um, more functional. Um, mm -hmm. we are more functional than we ever have been. And for the first time, it feels like we actually have some kind of communication. And a lot of that communication looks like us, um, like seeing images in our head or, mm -hmm. you know, like my son this morning was reminding me that I owed him Robux. And mm -hmm. I was just like, do I, you know, like uh -huh. <laughs> do I you want some Robux? And, uh -huh. um, but he like described the scene mm -hmm. a little bit. And all of a sudden this like image popped in my head and it's like, it's sort of like uh, someone explaining to you a movie that they know you've watched, mm. but no matter how much they're explaining it to you with your their words, you can't quite, like, you have no idea what yeah. they're talking about. But as soon as you see that image of the, you know, mm. of the movie in front of you or um, a scene, it's like, it all starts to come back. And that's because a lot of our memories are secondhand memories. So it is like we're watching a movie. We, we experienced it also, but we were the mm -hmm. co-con person, the person watching, not the person experiencing. And so it's a secondhand memory. And so whenever that person who experienced it shares that memory, shares mm -hmm. that image, that's them communicating, hey, it did happen. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Um, luckily, my kids don't really lie to me that often. So, yeah. like, <laughs> thank goodness. Too much. Uh -huh. 
that, that's really interesting though like the and you describe it so beautifully of like you know the, this movie that you know you've seen but you didn't realize you've seen it and so i mean for for you memory wise are you able to kind of differentiate like i know i was fronting at that point or i think i was co-con at that point like it, does it operate in that way yeah i a lot of times I can figure it out better afterwards, you know, or if I've been that person for a while, then all of a sudden it kind of like hits me. Um, I'm not like constantly thinking, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And so it's like, I have to almost remind myself that I have to think about that because, Mm -hmm. you know, as a singlet, which I always thought I was a singlet, Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to question, who am I today? Who am I right now? And so Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life, I'm having to like take a second and reflect. And Mm -hmm. I'm not a very stop, slow down kind of person um, Mm -hmm. because I have six kids and I homeschool those six kids. So like Mm -hmm. everything is go, 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 go. And um So it's kind of hard for me to like take that second to stop, slow down, be like, okay, who am I right now? And then that process isn't as like very easy either Mm -hmm. Um, because I have to start to, you know, break down my likes, dislikes, you know, some of them have very similar likes, Mm -hmm. um, especially because a lot of times your altars will split off of another altar. So like our old host was mother um and that's because that's was her role in the system was she became the host when we were pregnant with our first child and um but our oldest child is 12 now and we just had our six five months ago and it was very 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 stressful time and mother was really really depressed and um because she couldn't handle the load any longer um, that's when I split up as Jesse. So I am actually the newest split in the whole system, but um, I have all these memories that are mothers because I am directly related to mother in the system. Like I came directly mm-hmm. from mother. So we have the best communication between each other. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it is. Like you, when um, therapists are talking about like mapping out the system it's figuring out who is connected to who who has the best communication who needs to work on their communication and mm-hmm. um, so yeah interesting and so I guess I want to ask what the experience of splitting is like but I I wonder if it's yeah, I, do. I guess I just wonder what that experience is like. Um, so I don't know exactly the moment the split happened. Sure. And I don't know if people, I'm sure that there's someone out there who has like experienced like the feeling or whatever. But for mm-hmm. us, um, and I think a lot of people have described it as like, um, sometimes it'll feel like you've had like a migraine for several days. Um, mm-hmm. You're, you just feel really tired. Um uh, I was feeling for, I mean, I had, I had just had a baby mm-hmm. and I ended up having a C-section and, you know, <laughs> just wow. a whole bunch of things that just went wrong. Um, 
in my okay. pregnancy and everything. So it was really, really rough. And um, I was already dealing with a lot of pain and was on mm-hmm. a lot of pain medication. So, um, but I remember telling my husband that even though like when I hadn't take, taken my pain medication, I could feel the immense pain in my stomach from the C-section. But even with the medication, I was still just had this terrible headache that just would not go away. And, um, and I don't even think we realized right away that Jesse had split off because we were still also very new to our system. Um, and it wasn't until right after I had the baby that we actually were matched with a DID specialist. So I had therapy and they treated me as if I had DID, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was with the specialist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, you said that was about two years ago? Um, so I, I started with therapy for DID about two years ago, but the DID specialist um, started- I think I lost you over um, on Google for a moment. Okay, there you go. Sorry. We got you back. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, so my, um, I originally got therapy for dissociation Mm -hmm. and started to figure out that I had DID with my therapist, my regular therapist, um, but she didn't feel like she had the credentials to really diagnose me with DID. So um, once she got to a point where she didn't feel like she could really treat me anymore, um, I found a specialist, a DID specialist, and started talking to them. And that was about five months ago, like right after I had my baby. Okay. Wow. What a busy time. I mean, to... Therapist, especially after everything you've been through it was a huge relief honestly um my other therapist she was she was good um Mm -hmm. but my experience with most therapists was that I felt like a study project um Mm -hmm. I felt like they were learning from me and um especially this last time because of the fact that most of the time when I would come, I'd come with an issue and they wouldn't know how to solve that issue. But then by the time they had figured out how to solve that issue, I had already figured out a way to solve that issue myself, Mm. you know, using, you know, TikTok or whatever. Like I would just ask the DID community, Hey, this is what's going on. What do I do? And then Mm. I would be like, Hey, this is how I solved my issue. And then they had that tool in their tool belt for the next time. And even though that's great, I'm so glad that they have that tool now. I really needed somebody to give me that tool, to show me what I needed, because that's what I was there for therapy for. And so it felt like the roles were sort of reversed. And it was almost taxing to go to therapy, Mm -hmm. even though I knew I needed it at the time, especially because I was having so many ups and downs. Um, Mm -hmm. with the pregnancy and everything. And when I started, like, every single session I've had with my DID DID specialist has been, like, so enlightening. She 
she gives me a new tool every time she helps me through uh-huh. all these like crazy little hurdles. Um, and it's been really, really great. Um, like, I don't know why, but I have an issue writing things down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about it, like, like I said, that whole like image thing that every time I talk about writing something down, I see this huge callus on my middle finger And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I had some kind of trauma that had to do with writing. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the communication in our system is much harder because a lot of times people will write things down on notes and that's Mm -hmm. how they communicate. Right. And we don't do that. And, um, but she was like, well, why don't you start writing things down in the inner world? Because then Mm -hmm. it's safe it's safe in the inner world and they can still see it and you just create a message board on the inner world. And I was so amazed at how well that worked. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was thinking of things I needed to buy at the store and I kept writing it down in the Mm -hmm. inner world. And then later, whenever I was like, okay, what do I need? I just closed my eyes and it was like, it was right there. And it also is supposed to help me with, like writing things, even though I'm not actually writing mm-hmm. something in my mind, I am, I'm pushing that boundary of writing things is not okay. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been just magnificent, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that is spectacular to get, I mean, because it, I could only imagine how exhausting it is to have to go into your therapy session, begin to you know talk about some things, and then having to take a pause and like, oh, well, this is actually what it, this experience is like. This is what I'm talking about. And then I have to come back to it. And then to leave the session kind of feeling like I, I need to go continue to look into this, you know, and, and not having that, you know, and now you have somebody who understands all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge relief. It's like a, I, I look forward to my sessions with her. And like, honestly, if I could go twice a week I would be going twice a week at this Uh, point because I feel like I have like the amount of communication and everything in our system like I think that she also feels very safe to everybody because she's been helping us you know so much um because the communication just in the five months that I've been with her has Mm -hmm. been in like an immense change so Mm -hmm. it's been just yeah it's been life-changing. Yeah, that <laughs> and is I really a hate that like there's so many people out there who just can't get that because it is really, mm-hmm. really life-changing. Right, right. And I mean, even just uh, aside from, you know, getting the specialization and trying to get you know, certifications and all that process, which can be, you know, quite a bit on top of the, on top of the degree, it's also, you know, mental health care is paywalled. Um, and so, you know, having to find a specialist or in my network, and you know, that's a, a whole thing. Uh, for you and this new therapist that you have, is there anything that they do? And it, if you aren't comfortable talking too much about the therapy session, please do let me know. Um, but is there anything that they do as a therapist that you feel like really just connects with what you feel like you need as somebody who has DID? I think it was the validation that really helped Um, because like, so 
when I first started to really just, you know, I was, I had so much doubt that I even had DID, even whenever it mm-hmm. was becoming just very clear, it was still very hard for me to even accept it to the point that I, months after I had finally even been like, okay, I have DID, mm-hmm. I still wouldn't talk to my husband about it for for months afterwards because it was just such a like a gut punch it made so much sense it it really brought a lot of things together um and that felt good but at the same time it was this like like what what (laughs) and um you know I just I was so sure that I would have known you know and um and I think my husband said the same thing at one point you know well I would have known and now he's like Mm -hmm. you know he sees it all the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um but her validation um it really really just stuck with us because like we when we started we got a psychiatrist um it was already a frustrating situation because um, we were going through a program, a mental health program. So they set us up with a psychiatrist. They asked if we would prefer a uh, male or female. We said female. We have um, a tough time talking to like professional males a lot, especially if they are going to be the professional over us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So um, I was expecting a female and then the Zoom um, call came up and there was this male. And so oh, it took me by surprise right off mm-hmm. the bat. But then after that, um, I wasn't even going to bring up the the fact that I thought I had DID because I was still very new into it and I wasn't sure. And I, you know, so all I did was say that, you know, he asked why we started therapy. And I said, because mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of dissociation. And the psychiatrist was like, uh, he's like, well, explain your dissociation. So I explained very basic dissociative experiences, Mm -hmm. like zoning out and um, feeling like I can't even like get my body to like get up off the couch or whatever, because Mm -hmm. yeah, like I'm not in charge of the body (laughs) in that moment Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but like I explained these things to him. And then he's like, that's not dissociation. Dissociation is where you have uh, many personalities. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, no, I'm not talking about dissociative identity disorder. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just talking about having dissociation. And Mm -hmm. he's like, he's like, no. He's like, I'm just trying to educate you. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to educate you. And I'm like, okay, man. Sir, mm-hmm. you obviously aren't up to date on, you know, the DSM-5 because, mm-hmm. you know, DID is where you have different identity states and mm-hmm. there is no personalities. It has nothing to do with personalities. So right. you're even using the wrong terminology. I didn't say any of that stuff, but I was thinking that to myself, you know. And so then right. I was like, OK, I can't see this guy again. Like he made me feel really, really terrible. And then right. I ended up with a different psychiatrist female I told her that I actually thought I had DID because it took me months to even get to this new psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and 
she told me, this was our first meeting. She had not heard any of my experience as a child or growing up. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, I don't think you have DID uh, because it's very, very rare. And I'm like, (laughs) sure. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But not non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, yeah, I know it's rare, but like, Mm. that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, you know? And even then, like, if you add OSDD and DID, which I really think Mm. that OSDD and DID need to just become one and it needs to be a spectrum. Mm. But um, if you include both of them, the numbers are 8% of the population. That is more than redheads, mm. you know, but, you know, so it's really not that rare. And that's only mm. from what they've been able to like track. That's not mm. even including, you know, all these people who are just like going undiagnosed their whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah. And then she ended up trying to diagnose me with, um, BPD, but Mm. my therapist, the one that wasn't the specialist at the time, was like, no, I know for sure you don't have BPD. Like, you -hmm. you definitely don't have those kinds of ups and downs. Um, But yeah, I've been, been, I've tried, I've had therapists and stuff try to diagnose me with like bipolar, BPD, um, just like, I think there are so many different things. Um, and mm. none of them felt like they fit whenever I would like mm. research them and like try to be like learn about that community and all that stuff. I just would not fit. And for the first time, it felt like, wow, this explains mm. all the things. Yeah, yeah you, you get to connect to an experience finally that just makes sense for you. Um, and I mean, after such a history of just being invalidated over and over again, I mean, you're. I, I, it's, it's amazing that you were able to stay with the process and keep yourself involved in saying, okay, this individual is like this, but let me see what this next person is going to be like. I mean, what does that take to be able to stick with that? Well, honestly, it wasn't until I actually thought, like, got to a point of being like, I have DID Mm -hmm. that I got to that point of like, I got to stick with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I, had gone to therapy for the first time when I was 17, um, after I had, you know, got off the drugs, I got pregnant about a month afterwards and with my firstborn and, um, and, um, sorry, I am losing what I was saying. What did you just ask me? (laughs) Take take your time. Take your time. So um, essentially like that journey of, you know, you're trying to find the right therapist. You're facing a validation here and here. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So I started therapy for the first time at 17 um, after I had gotten off the drugs and I was pregnant. Um, And that therapist was actually the only one that I had ever liked up until this point. (laughs) Um, and it's funny because the one session that I actually remember, I described a dissociative experience to her, uh, of, I I explained to her that sometimes it feels like I'm, you know, like I'm in my body, Mm -hmm. 
and I'm hearing like someone could tell a joke and I'm hearing the joke and I might be laughing about the joke, but Mm -hmm. my body's not. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I might think it's funny. And then someone might be like, you know, why are you upset? And I'll be like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not upset. I thought my face showed that I was happy, but it was because, Mm -hmm. and now I recognize this because, you know, I was experiencing me as the other person, you know, like I was, Mm -hmm. the experience that I was remembering was the co-con person who, Mm -hmm. you know, is just experiencing it from the inside. Right, right. Okay, so, so you reach this point then where the, the confidence builds that this is DID, everything's starting to connect, and we're working with the specialist, and it, it sounds like so far, so far so good, which is awesome. Um, so I guess shifting into, you know, the, because the, I, I know you talked a little bit about, you know, how your husband was like, well, I feel like I would have known, and all that kind of stuff. How... If, if you're open to talking about it, how has that process been of you know, trying to discover this stuff and how, how has he taken it, I guess? Um, he's been really good. I, it's been a learning curve for sure. sure. I definitely, it was very hard for us to talk about it. Demi mm-hmm. was, Demi's been the one who really just, wants to be seen um and she's quite in fact her husband anyways so she was the one who kind of was like pushing those boundaries of like we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it and so then like she would talk to him about it someone else would come forward later and then just feel like so judged in that like even though he may not have been judging it felt that way because we weren't ready to talk about it. And she just went ahead and did it. And because of that fear of being judged, that's what we, um, sorry. (laughs) Kids are walking around. Um, (laughs) um, I forgot okay you're talking a bit about uh, it's okay it's okay i mean the the, the parenting doesn't stop um so you're, you're talking a bit about demi's experience of you know wanting to be seen and um you know how how i guess that yeah, i guess i guess how that process was going into all of this and how he would say some things it would feel a little invalidating and you know yeah so like he never said anything that felt invalidating at all um hmm. it was more just that you know, the others weren't ready to talk. And because they weren't ready, it felt like someone told a secret, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, as a group, because we are just this one group, Mm -hmm. we all have this secret. And even though he knew that this is like the diagnosis, this is what we're like, you know, he knew that this is what I was looking into. Um, When Demi went and talked to him about the DID stuff. Mm -hmm. It felt like she just left this group of this is our secret and went and told. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it 
caused some issues in the system at first, but in the end, it ended up being a good thing because now she's the confident one that goes to talk to the husband about mm -hmm. things that <laughs> we may not want to talk about. Sure. <laughs> so. sure, sure. And so now you have, you know, that, that, that alter who is confident to have these conversations, which, you know, when, when we talk about systems, a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's out of necessity that we all come out and, you know, have, have these different roles um, from, from my understanding of it. Um, okay. Interesting. So, I guess broadening to the to the rest of the family, I know that one of the things, you know, uh, of course, you are a, a, a parent of six. Um, and so how. What what is that? What is that like, first and foremost? Um, being a mom is hard, no matter whether you're a singlet or whether mm -hmm. you're, I you know, multiple. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, being a mom and homeschooling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is really really difficult um but i honestly feel like the did i me as jesse who is one of the moms <laughs> mm -hmm. i feel like it's sort of like a superpower because yeah. when mom was when mother was created um so when we got pregnant with our first, again, we were 17, freshly off of meth. So like, mm -hmm. it was a big thing. Um, I was with a guy who is not the best guy. We ended up get, being married for five years. Um, and I was so scared. I was so scared that I was not going to be a good mom that I was just mm -hmm. going to perpetuate the, you know, the same kind of life that I went through or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, even if I didn't, if, even if it wasn't that bad, just knowing that, you know, the trauma I went through, I'm not going to be a mom, a good mom at all. Mm -hmm. And, but I also was heavily Christian. Mm -hmm. And so things like abortion, you know, that wasn't an option. Um, mm -hmm. I also knew that I would never be able to just like give up my child. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I just started studying. I started studying every single thing I could about pregnancy, about babies, about, mm -hmm. you know, the female anatomy, like just mm -hmm. everything. Um, and that's when mother like split. I don't know when exactly, because again, we mm -hmm. weren't a system back then, but that's the earliest memories that mother can like get our being pregnant in the late stages of our pregnancy and then having our first son. And like her whole aesthetic is like Stepford wife, you know, mm -hmm. she's like the perfect mom, the perfect wife, mm -hmm. the perfect you know, Christian or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, and we don't identify as Christian anymore, including mother. That was one of the things that caused her to like go into a deep depression. But, mm -hmm. um, but that was who she was. And so it was like, right. we created this super mom and then we just had this super mom. And anytime she was forward, the only thing she wanted to do was play with these kids and teach these kids and homeschool these kids, you know, like 
and so all of her time and all of her effort was just put towards these kids and they ended up being like super smart and like really well behaved and like <laughs> i am like really impressed that they've turned out so well <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh that, that must feel good though all those fears of like passing on the trauma which is such a valid thing and it's something that people i i even though it is such a scary thought it is so important to consider like how do i ensure that my trauma does not affect you know how i then raise my kids and so for you to have that and then do the work and you know, for your kids to end up as amazing as they are that is such a phenomenal thing are, are there things that I guess helped make things run a little bit more smoothly as a system, you know, as, as a parent who's a, a system trying to make all this work? And, yeah. Um, yeah. So before I knew I was a system, um, mm -hmm. you know, things were just way more confusing. And, you know, like I said, I would forget that I would promise my kids things or, mm -hmm. um, or just whatever. Like I would, um, have dissociative experiences that would like just like really lay me out um, mm -hmm. like uh, when I have I call it the hangover fog or hang or the not hangover fog I mean I am mixing two things up <laughs> hmm. what I'm trying to say is therapy hangover mm -hmm. or a dissociative fog um, mm -hmm. because if I would have therapy all of a sudden I would just like feel like I couldn't do anything. I'd be stuck on the couch. My whole body would just feel exhausted and, and I wouldn't be able to like do anything really for a while. I would just need some time to let my body rest after right. having therapy. And, um, and like, I realized that before I had, uh, before I knew I had dissociative identity disorder, but since then, I've had my therapist teach me some tricks on how to deal with that, how to, hmm. you know, lock up what we've talked about, how to put it in the mm -hmm. box and then, right. um, you know, lock it up in a safe. And, and that has helped that fog immensely. So mm -hmm. now I know that I don't have to like, cause like if I have my therapy at like noon, well, then right. I have to try to get as much schoolwork done as possible mm -hmm. first thing that morning because I may not be right. able to right. do it later. Um, so that's helped a lot. And then um, just ha knowing that those there might be things that I don't realize are a trigger for me. Mm. Some Something might trigger me. And, um, and then I have that same kind of fog where I just feel mm. like I can't focus everything around me even seems blurry more blurry mm -hmm. than it already is because I'm supposed to be wearing glasses but like mm -hmm. um and it's like hard to concentrate on what people are saying before I wouldn't understand why I was feeling that way and mm -hmm. my kids might try and come talk to me ask me for things whatever and like I would like get overwhelmed and be like mm. you know having to like shoo them away and like not understanding what was going on and now because I understand I can be like I can explain it to them right. and because I understand I can help them understand and mm. that is really helpful because I don't want them to ever feel like you know you guys are too much for me 
mm-hmm. and I can't handle you right now. And that's, you know, I wanted to make sure that wasn't the message that was coming across to my children. Right. Because it's not that they're too much for me. Mm-hmm. It's that I have my own trauma responses right. and I need to know how to work through that. And when you don't know how to work through it, sometimes you just feel completely lost. Mm, yeah. I, I love that openness that, that, you know, just let's just face this head on. I'm not going to, you know, hide this from you or, you know, anything like that. Cause yeah, like you said, that could totally give the impression that like, Oh, I just did something to make mom upset. Um, how do you have those kinds of conversations with kids? Cause this is like, I, I feel like DID can feel so complex sometimes. Yeah. So, um, I have a pretty good amount of communication with my kids because I do homeschool mm-hmm. already. Right. Um, but honestly, one of my biggest things that like, I was like, this is what I'm doing for sure with my kids was that I was not going to lie to them. I wasn't going to keep them in the dark. I, mm-hmm. even over the little things, um, Santa right. Claus, even, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, we can have fun with Santa Claus. I don't need to tell you that he's real and have you lose your trust mm-hmm. in me. You yeah. know, I would rather have them know that I'm always going to be honest with them. If they mm. don't need to know about it, then I'm not going to talk to them about it. <laughs> sure. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is doing things, you know, doing things at the right levels. Um, it's a lot like another very complicated conversation you have to have with kids mm-hmm. is, um, you know, as they get older, talking to them about their own anatomy. Right. And um, you have to start that at a younger age, but you have to do it at the right age level. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, you just add on little pieces. And so it's kind of how I'm doing it. Um my two oldest uh, is 10 and 12, and they are very smart already, very just intelligent little children, but mm-hmm. um, they can understand better what's going on. I can explain to them the fact that when they're born, they are born with ego states. They can see that in their four-year-old brother who can go from a screaming tantrum to suddenly Mm -hmm. very happy because Mm -hmm. he saw a bird fly through the wind, like fly past the window, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and so I can explain that with these examples and show them, look, this is how all of us are born. And you guys are now at an age Mm -hmm. where those ego states, they've like, they've melded together. Mm -hmm. You are now this one. And that's why you now have these like specific things that, is like part of your identity that you really, really mm-hmm. feel is truly you, you know, um, mm-hmm. one's really into coding and one's really into, mm-hmm. you know, outdoorsy stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, but these ones down here, these kids, they're still trying to figure out who they are. They still are separate in these ego states and they still will jump from one emotion to another emotion or one big feeling to a different big feeling. And, um, and so it's just like explaining it at their level, adding on little pieces. Um, a big part was the, um, what is it called? Um, 
something, the, the quilt. Gosh, oh, the patchwork quilt? The patchwork quilt, yep. <laughs> the patchwork quilt was, um, like I had already explained to my three oldest about DID um, before I had learned about this book, but I still ended up bringing it and, you know, reading it to them and explaining with that as a reference. And, you know, it was funny because I had already like explained it to them that afterwards they were like, because <laughs> it doesn't actually say anything about DID in the book. Um, it says in the front, like it's a, you know, helps explain social identity disorder, but it doesn't actually say those words in the whole book when you're reading it to them. And my kids picked up on the fact that that's what it was supposed to be about <laughs> really fast. Um, and they're now, my oldest is now getting comfortable enough that sometimes during certain situations, he'll be like, who's fronting mom? Who's fronting right now? <laughs> and I love that because I know that my kids are going to have different relationships with each of us as we get older. And when they're adults, every single one of us is going to have a different relationship with our children. Um, and even though that seems kind of big, <laughs> it seems like a really big, heavy thing. Um, I know that it's like something that is going to be broken up into pieces and that we're going to work towards. So. It's, I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing to hear, I mean, just how you approach this. I mean, I, I just imagine with all of it, you know, it, it not only helps your kids to understand you know, you and what, what all is happening, but I think it just increases their own ability to understand themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Like, like one thing about just uh, about parts work in general is that it has so much application to everybody, even for not DID. Like, it's something that I relate a lot to. Like, mm -hmm. I have trauma, but not DID, and I can relate to that inner child part of myself. I have multiple altars living in this body. Excellent, excellent. Which I, I it occurs to me now that uh, you know, fifty minutes into the interview, that that probably is something we should have started with. <laughs> but, uh, uh, sometimes I, I I don't even think about it. But um, yeah. So I guess in talking about DID, I know that there is so much stigma also attached to DID, um, and I wonder how how you have viewed or experienced that stigma. Um, so I have a lot of agoraphobia. I don't leave my house very often. Um, mm -hmm. I try to push myself to do it. But <laughs> recently, um, three times in a row, I left my house and some incident happened. <laughs> and mm. So I'm in one of those like moments where I feel like I can't very well anymore um but um so out in the real world I don't really experience much yet um I have um think about four people in my life that know I mean everybody I have announced it like on my Facebook and stuff like that mm -hmm. so like people know but like four people that I talk to about my DID stuff mm -hmm. 
um, not including my husband, um, that like refer to me as, you know, the alters that I might be at the time and all that stuff. Um, and, um, uh, online is honestly where I feel, um, just my most authentic self a lot of times. Um, because I do just get to refer to myself as who I am. I get to right. be my authentic self. And, um, but the main stigma that I, I get is whenever I talk about being a mom, um, mm. with DID, because I immediately get people who talk about how, um, you know, that's not, not right now. You need to wait. Okay. Can you give the dogs water? They're whining. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I lost what I was saying. Sorry. <laughs> You're all good. So the, um, the, the view that people might have of you being a mom and having DID. Um, yeah. So I, um, I've had people who will straight up be like, aren't you worried for the safety of your children? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I've had people say that I was selfish for having mm -hmm. children. Um, you know, like, I've had, I've had lots of different things be, been said to me um, about my children. And the thing that I just, I find so interesting is that you don't just look at some person and be like, you might be bad for these children. Um, right. And just because there are many of us mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we're inherently bad. That right. just means that there are several people. There are several people who are just in this one body. And we all became the mom of these children when they were born. We just experienced that differently. Like mother feels very much like a mom. Jesse, me, I feel very much like a mom. Demi feels more like an aunt, you know? Mm -hmm. And same with Lola. She considers herself more like an aunt. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even John, John will totally accept them calling him mom because that is what we are. Um, but he feels more of like a big brother or protector, you know, mm -hmm. over the kids rather than, you know, even a dad figure or anything. Right. And so you wouldn't be like, don't let that big brother babysit the kids. Don't let that mm -hmm. aunt watch these children, you know, right. um, unless you had a reason to feel that way. And so mm -hmm. for people to be like, oh, well, because there's many of you, mm -hmm. you know, that's scary. It's just mm -hmm. doesn't even really make sense. It's just like living in a house with all of your family there, except that it's just all in one body. <laughs> right. And it's, for me, it, I mean, hearing you talk about it, it feels like it's like a fear of the unknown that people don't understand DID too well. And then they're like, well, then certainly that must not work out. Like that just to like jump to that conclusion. That's, and I think, where do you think it comes from? Oh, go ahead. I think that another thing that a lot of people worry about is, um, 
like the amnesia barriers. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are like, what do you do whenever during the time that you don't remember? The same things, <laughs> the exact mm -hmm. same things. I'll probably drink some coffee, you know, I'll, <laughs> because it's not like, like we come from trauma. Mm -hmm. So most of our parts were there for protection. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to go do something that is going to put us in a position where we feel like we're not going to be protected anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that a lot of times with people with DID, they actually have this like fear of doing something wrong because mm -hmm. they were like, they felt like they were doing things wrong their whole life because they were told right. they were doing things wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to go out and do something scary or bad because they're scared to they they're mm -hmm. gonna get reprimanded you know like right. Right. <laughs> one of the things that comes to mind as you're talking about this is something that um when we had the halo system on in a previous episode they had brought up um how they, they felt like one of the things that people sometimes get wrong about did is that they can sometimes view the different parts or alters as having these like really bad intentions like kind of like what was demonstrated in the movie split where like there are some alters that are just like evil for the, the sake of being evil and i i wonder if you know if you what what do you think about that that stigma i think that um yeah i think that that stigma is like absolutely ridiculous because again mm. it's like every single altar has their own emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, every altar can feel sad, happy, angry, even might feel, you know, some spite or whatever. But it's just like any other exactly. person who feels all those ranges of emotions. Exactly. It's not like one altar is only evil and one altar is, you know, super sweet. And, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> right. you know, one might be more sweet than another. Mm -hmm. That's because that's just their personality. Just like right. somebody else, like I might have a friend that's way sweeter than I am, but that's just who they are. That's just their personality. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they don't have those other emotions also. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, everyone can experience the same range of emotions, you know, and just because somebody is sweet or, you know, yeah. sometimes they're a little more, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't make people bad or anything like that. Right. And I think that when singlets see people on TikTok or whatever um, talk about their uh, persecutors, mm -hmm. that also perpetuates this idea that there's evil alters. But, you mm -hmm. know, persecutors aren't even evil. Um, and the whole reason for persecutors is that they are the same as a protector. It's just to mm -hmm. them talking down to you, making you feel little keeps you home, keeps you safe, keeps you mm -hmm. out of the public. They're going about it the wrong way. And that's why therapy, you work through those and you teach them how to respond the proper mm -hmm. way and still have the same results. Mm -hmm. And then they end up just becoming protectors in the end. And mm -hmm. so I even just hate the fact that there is a term persecutor because mm -hmm. 
what they're really trying to do is protect you. And I feel like a lot of times using that term can even make that altar feel like they are the bad altar, like they are less. But by calling them what they're going to become, it can, Mm -hmm. you know, pave this path for them to really want to do the work to be better, to become better Mm -hmm. and not be, you know, a persecutor. Right. I've heard the term misguided protector as being one that I, like um, that I haven't heard of that yet, but I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I like it as well. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of what you're describing of like the, the belittling or like just in any way shaming it as a way of like protecting us and keeping us out of harm's way. It's something that is common among, I mean, among singlets as well, just across diagnoses. It's something you can see with generalized anxiety disorder, with PTSD, with depression, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, don't try that because you're going, something bad's going to happen. And my way of preventing you from doing that is there's no way you can achieve that. You know, all these nasty kind of, kind of comments towards ourselves. And so it exists across all individuals. Um, and so I, I certainly hear your point on that. So as we're kind of winding down, um, this has been an awesome conversation. I am just so, I, I love talking to cycle breakers first and foremost, and you are the cycle breaker of cycle breakers. Um, I, I mean, super mom, I think doesn't even do, do it justice. Um, so I, I've really appreciated your insight. Um, so last question, I guess, what is something that you hope people can better understand about DID? What do you feel like people just, yeah. What, um, what would you want to say to people? I guess I really just hope that DID in general um, just becomes more well-known in the public mm-hmm. and that um, people can just be themselves in the public, that it's well-known enough that we can go out and be like, you know, this is who I am. I have dissociative identity disorder and people can just like work with that, like in a job sense and everything, you know? Um, the idea of going out and working a job and having to mask as one person Mm -hmm. it just feels almost dirty now that Mm -hmm. we know that we're these different parts um and i guess it sort of feels almost hurtful Mm -hmm. trying to be what we're not um feeling like we have to hide and um So I really, that's one of my big things when it comes to how the world perceives us. But I think another big thing is showing other multiples out there that they can be a mom. They can be a dad. It's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. it's scary. It is scary. Being a parent is hard. It really is. But it's not that different than a singlet. And as long as you really, really want it and you are willing to put the work in and you're, you know, doing the therapy, like go for it. If it's your dream to have children, mm-hmm. do it. Don't let this stop you. I, I love that message. I love that message. Oh, well, Jesse, the T virus system. Thank you all so much for being here, for, for talking with us, um, for sharing your experience. Um, also, thank you so much to your kids for allowing us to to borrow you for a little while. It's been funny too. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this has been Rob. This has been the Please Stay Inside podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.